Hello, I'm Thomas Carruthers. And I'm Jay Reed. Jay, I'm yes. going to read you a list. Okay. What Lies Beneath, Inglorious Bastards, American Psycho, Hot Fuzz, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, Burn After Reading, Lonely Sunshine, The Dark Knight, Up in the Air, No Country for Old Men, There Will Be Blood, Zodiac, Children of Men, In Bruges. That was my top 14 movies the 2000s, Jay. Mm-hmm. Take a wild guess what number one was. Holland Drive. Holland yes. Drive. Uh. I feel in a way this is what we've been building up to. I feel... This is the climax. <laughs> yes, and then, and then Inland Empire is the post-coital conversation. Yes, it's the clarity. <laughs> The, um, uh, yes, as I say, I think not only, I, I, I can, I think I can say unequivocally, not only is this both of our favourite Lynch film, mm -hmm. it's also one of our favourite films, full stop. It is my favourite film. Full, full stop, full stop, full stop. Full stop, full stop. I can't believe it. I'm just so excited to be here. I'm in this dream place. This one comes highly recommended. Dream place. What are you doing? Get out of the car. Yeah. The girl is still missing. What's wrong? I don't know who I am. I wonder where you were going. Holland Drive. Come on, it'll be just like in the movies. We'll pretend to be someone else. Silencio. This is all an illusion. You want to know who you are. Well, you have excellent taste, Jack. This one's another pick. Uh, this is our penultimate film. This is Mulholland Drive. This is 2002, 2001. Sometimes people, I don't know, it flips. But yeah. I dare say this is his closest chance to ever getting an Oscar because as, as polarizing as Lynch's films often are in the critical community, everybody loves Mulholland Drive. Don't you? Where's this going? It's been a very strange day. I'm getting stranger. Yes. And it wasn't a delayed reaction. Almost instantaneously, everybody said, this is one of the best films of, of the year. And then yes. as the decades have gone by, it's as um, only climbed further and further in people's estimations with its um, ranking number one on the sight and sound best of the 21st yeah. century uh, the past five years, I believe. On the BBC. Although that might be the same thing. Yeah, lots and lots and lots of polls. And, of course, the most coveted 
the Thomas Carruthers Best of the 2000s list? Yes. <laughs> Jay, when did you come to Malone Drive? Um, almost immediately after I finished the original Twin Peaks for the first time. Because obviously there's a bit of a lull in the quality of Twin Peaks in the second season. Um, and then you get the last episode and, oh boy, it's different. And then after that, I was like, okay. And I did a bit more research and I was like, okay, this, this David Lynch fella, he, he's pretty interesting. So I think almost the day after I watched the last episode of Twin Peaks season two, I watched Mulholland Drive because I wanted more of that strangeness. Mm -hmm. And I presume you were satisfied with oh, what yes. you received. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> there's a lot, a lot to get into, so we're just going to pass straight into it. YouTube comments. I've never watched a movie more than two times, but this mm -hmm. movie I've seen about 40 times. Mm. It's from Dagster. I've seen this a lot too. Uh, uh, Mulholland Drive is a perfectly executed surrealist nightmare Naomi Watts' acting achievement in this film is chilling and captivating every moment she's on screen the concepts suggested in the film the setting and the story and zigzag characters are just as stunning to watch today as they were 16 years ago yeah uh, one of the all time great Horror films, suspense films, surrealist films, black comedy films, old Hollywood, love story, mystery, basically every genre ever films. Yeah, that's Lynch. <laughs> uh, that's YouTube comments. Um, Jay, when I when I say to you, Mulholland Drive, what's the first image that comes into your mind? Boy, um, I'd say the the end when it's I think their faces over over LA, mm. yeah, or oh, Silencio. But um, this was very similar to you. Uh, I can't. No, actually, I don't think this is very similar to you. I think I did. I think I was watched Mulholland Drive before I watched anything. Okay. Um, because my grandma had always recommended The Elephant Man. And so mm -hmm. the there was there was a DVD box set that was Inland Empire, Mulholland Drive, and Elephant Man. So I saw that, and I saw these two, and I was like, "Oh, people say that Mulholland Drive is great. Okay, so I'll get this box set instead." And I famously watched the first up until the switch in, oh on a portable DVD player in my car. <laughs> you think you're watching on it? You think you're watching a film on your portable DVD player? Oh. In a fucking car. In a fucking car. And it was the middle of summer. And it was so, so warm. I was literally sweating profusely oh um, because there were no windows open. Um, and whilst my mother and aunt, uh, Auntie Becky and sister were all in the uh, staff shop at Next because uh, <laughs> to get a discount. And I was sat in the car and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll sit in the car and I'll watch Holland Drive. <laughs> and um, just an incredible, uh, incredibly visceral moment. So then I got home and I realized about David Lynch chapter menus. And I realized that I wasn't going to be able to just skip to um, where I was. And so I watched the first hour and a half again on <laughs> six times speed, which was even more Lynchian. <laughs> And then I was just about to watch the final 40 minutes. And then I was about I don't know, 11, 12 at the time. And uh, these 
two half naked lesbian women oh, having sex. And I was about and I was going, oh, okay, this took a turn. What's happening here? And then my dad walked in, and so I had to turn it off. And then I didn't watch the final 40 minutes of Mulholland Drive for a very long time because I was like, I'm not <laughs> going to do the fast forwarding again. David. Um He's very proud of that. That, I think that's the one th- I get completely where he's coming from. But I think that's almost the one thing that everybody agrees is just terrible. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think for fans, we don't have to watch them completely every time, I guess. I don't know. No. No. I can I understand him trying to preserve that cinema thing of watching yeah. a movie from start to finish. Especially his sort of films where it's a, a, yeah. a mood and you've got to get completely sucked in. True. Yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think there's been a few times where I've, I've, I've been like, oh, I want to watch a Lynch film, but not all of it at mm. the moment. Oh, I just want to skip to the Silencio scene and cry. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> pardon me. Let's get into it now, actually. Best 10 minute stretch. These are my five nominations. Meeting Adam Kesha and that sort of boardroom meeting. And then there's a little bit in between. And then there's Billy Ray. That's, I think, I really, really, really like Justin Thrill in this movie. I think he's absolutely excellent. Oh, yeah, he is. And every time I watch it, I go, why doesn't Justin throw a bigger career? I mean, yeah. I mean, Matt, you haven't watched The Leftovers, have you? No, I haven't. He is so good at it, Tom. Well, he got in with Ben Stiller for a long time. He's like best friends with Ben Stiller. So he, like, co-wrote Zoolander and Tropic Thunder. Yeah, he has, like, a writing side thing, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, but I, no, he's very, 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 very good in this film. He famously was one of the nominate one of the nominators on David Lynch's ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. <laughs> Justin Theroux, once I'm going to have espresso poured over my head while I play somewhere over the rainbow on a trumpet. Does he have a uh, a nickname? I don't know. What would it be? Mm-hmm. Just you and I. I don't know. Um, I, that's what I have, Adam Keshin. Then I have the back-to-back of the phony reading of the lame scene, quote-unquote, uh, where mm. they're all having a good laugh in the kitchen. Oh, this is so stupid. What a silly, silly scene. Yeah. And then doing it again with Woody Katz, great name. And it's slightly harass. It's, it's harassy. Not that that's an adjective. But then, she, then she owns it, and she yeah. puts her his hand on her ass, and it's and it's even though the dialogue is still quote unquote terrible, mm-hmm. it's so electric and so dynamic and so ooh, visceral. I remember I watched this film with my uh, with one of my friends once, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Why why is the acting so bad?" And I was like, "Just wait, just wait, just wait." Just wait. And uh, it got to this scene, and I was like. Is it still bad? And he was like, no. And I think there's some very purposeful, uh, strange acting, at least in the first two hours, compared to um, the end, obviously. 
yes. And uh, I, again, that's all. I, I don't, previous guest, Finn Howe, has mm-hmm. commented before that he think that he, he stopped watching Gone Girl. Have you watched Gone Girl, Jay? I've watched Gone Girl. Yeah, he, he was saying that all the flashback scenes, they were badly acted. And I said, wait, and, and you stopped watching? And he went, yeah. I was like, did, <laughs> did something really big happen before you stopped watching? I went, I don't know. They were just, they thought he killed her and thought, why don't you finish it first and then talk about how bad, quote unquote, the acting in the flashbacks. I don't want Gone Girl. I mean, that's an unreliable narrator film as well, so. And that is obviously the point of a lot of this sort of heightened Hollywood, old Hollywood acting that we get in the first hour and a half. The fulfillment of dreams. Yeah. Pardon me. Uh, And that sort of old Hollywood chic. Yeah. And uh, it comes to its tragic, horrible combination. Yeah. Then we have uh, the audition and the back of, for the Sylvia North story, the back to back Connie Stevens songs. Not Connie Stevens, sorry. One of them's Connie Stevens, one of them's Linda Snell. Uh, 16 yeah. Reasons into I Told Every Little Style. And yep. this is the girl. This is the girl. Good choice. <laughs> and, um, and then Silencio. Uh, uh. One of the most devastating moments I think I'll ever see. My my favorite moment in all of the in all of cinema. It's the balls of yeah. Lynch. Yeah. To tell us exactly what's going to happen. This is a yeah. tape. He couldn't say it enough. This is a tape. This, this is, is a, a tape. It's then to illusion. do the trumpet guy as well. Yeah. Then to suck us in for three minutes, only to yeah. follow again. Um, I actually have a relationship with the Club Silencio scene, Jay. Oh, what? When, <laughs> when I first saw this film, I was uh, direct running the Gifton Sons Drama Student Club at my high school. Because uh-huh. um, I was a Gifton Sons Drama Student. And it was <laughs> in my final year. And they said, okay, do you want to run it for the kids? Okay. And so one of the pieces they did was they split us all into groups uh, to do a horror, horror 20 minute piece. So I said, okay, let's do this. And so we staged the whole Club Silencio scene. Oh my God. And it was this, that we had this lovely woman called Millie who oh. actually could sing. And so later we recorded her singing Always On My Mind, but for a dress room, we chose Always On My Mind because she obviously didn't know Spanish. And, um, <laughs> that might've been a bit far-fetched, but we got her ready, and, was, and so then I said to the teacher, I said, oh, because it was cutting it fine. And I said, oh, could you just find a, um, a, 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 a woman singing um, Always On My Mind, please? And so I got it ready, and she steps forward. And it's like, I don't know, I don't know if it was Louis Armstrong, but it was the deepest voiced black man you've ever heard in your life. With this <laughs> little, and so this little white girl, Millie, is going, and she's miming to and it's just the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen oh my god um but it was a great it was a great moment um i dare say that we didn't do uh 
service and justice to mention that moment. Um, I don't know if I told it. It's a bit off topic, actually. Take it. Uh, I don't know if I ever told you that uh, when I was in school doing drama, we did a, a scene from uh, Inglorious Bastards. Which one? Uh, the opening one with in the in the barn. Monsieur Lapit, this is a glorious glass of milk. <laughs> yeah, I was the I was the farmer. And did you do did you flip between French and German? Yes. <laughs> My word. Yes. Well, no, no, no. I mean, accent-wise, not. Oh right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't speak in French and German. That would have been confusing. It would have been confusing, indeed. Yes. Um, and then we come down to reality for the concluding um, twenty minutes of the film. Um, I think, sure, there is some bizarre imagery along the way, mm-hmm. but. Lots of jokes are made around this Oscar season. I saw, I think I mentioned the Whoopi Goldberg one in another episode. Um, but I think it's pretty clear what Mulholland Drive is and what Mulholland Drive is about and what the plot is. And Yeah, I mean, um, if you look at Ebert's review, like the first time, he said it's not meant to be un- understood. And then when he revisited it, I think for his greatest film lists, mm. uh, he was like, Actually, yes, it can be understood, and there is, you know, a meaning and a plot. Yeah. Well, I think it's just pretty, it's just, and I think, you know what I think it might be? Is that I think a lot of big-minded critics don't want to accept that it's, uh, it was all a dream movie. You want to tell me something, Adam? This is the girl. Excellent choice. It is, and it's always it is. It, it is. It's all a dream movie. However, it's just the best version of that that could ever possibly be. It's so exceptionally well done. Yeah. And um, instead of it being a cheap twist at the end, it's this grand thing, and we stay with the ramifications of it. And um, well, it's just glorious, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about Ebert. Why do you? So Ebert famously, famously hated. Loved a razor head, but then yeah. unequivocally hated most of the Lynch films that followed, bar yeah. the straight story that he enjoyed. We talked mm-hmm. about on our last highway episode how the review was two thumbs down and Lynch used it for marketing and other two reasons to watch Lost Highway. Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel with their thumbs down. So what do you think stuck for him here? What what do you think put this above the rest. I mean, we we talk, we agree 
but it is a, a notch above the rest of the lynching canon. It is his overall um, piece de resistance. However, what do you think for Ebert um, worked so well this time around? I think part of it is probably the LA, and then I think part of it is definitely just the way the love story is presented and how tragic it is. I think uh, there's it's more obviously warm and it has more heart to it, to be honest, than the rest of Lynch's films up to that point, I'd say. Yeah, I think you could certainly make the argument. I think there's there's a lot that you can cling on to. Yeah. Um, whether it... However, I think you could make the argument for a lot of uh, Lynch's films. Because um, although the great tragedy of Dorothy Valens isn't... Um, as, as tangible perhaps as the great tragedy of a lost romance and um, mm -hmm. there's a lot of plot that you can grab onto in Blue Bowl or um, any of the others. I never looked up his Elephant Man review. I wonder what he, I wonder what he thought of that. I don't think he loved it. Mm. Oh no we, no, we did talk about it because he, he thought it was overwrought and melodramatic, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. I don't think we talked about it, but yeah. <laughs> It was uh, very much the greatest pop culture critic of a generation. However, some terrible takes. It, it has yeah. to be said. Um, yeah. However, he is just a man. Uh, Jay, did I miss anything out in the 10 minute stretch for uh, area? Uh, you said Silencio. Uh, the, the last stretch, I think uh, there's parts of it. I think, like, the um, when he announces that they're going to get married, for me, is one of the best parts because it's it feels like you're watching some bizarre horror film, but f from Camilla's point of view, where it's just building up into something and then it's just them getting married. It's this, this giggling. Yeah, it's the giggling. Shrieking. It's rough. Yeah, uh, pretty, pretty jarring stuff. And we have to cut away. We can't even hear we're getting married. We have to cut away back to yeah. uh, Winkies. Uh, we just can't watch it, and um, it's too too painful, too yeah. painful to see. Um, yeah, no, the reality is is, is that other shoe. Pardon me, is that other shoe dropping? And is is brilliantly, brilliantly, brilliantly effective. What do we do next, Tom's? It's a little show of ours. Uh, Tom's with a specific credit class the film. I love the jitterbug. I love the opening jitterbug. I think it's an excellent image to open the and so brilliantly conceived and shot and uh, edited. It plays uh, in well as well. Yeah. Just sensational. Um, I love, I've always loved this moment. Okay, Irene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Fuck. <laughs> You're done. This is your last episode. You're not even, we're not even doing in, in the Empire anymore. Unbelievable. No. We have to. Okay, Irene. And it's slightly dubbed and it's slightly off. And I've saw it. I've seen somebody do an explain video. At Mulholland Drive explained. And and they were saying that it was an in, that it was intentional and that it was trying to set you off balance for the rest of the story. I I I can vaguely see something in there, but I it's like for me, I think there's a lot of things that I do accept as part of like the dream thing. Mm. But like I don't know if that's one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a stretch. Yeah. 
Um, then we have, um, what's the photo for? Uh, there's, a, there's a couple of excellent uh, line deliveries. Let, sorry, let's break down that boardroom scene because everybody is on top form, including yeah. Angelo Badalamente. Espresso. Sorry. I love his spit. Such a yeah. horrible spit. Yeah, I know. He could have so sort easily of. just. That's a music. And he's wriggling his mouth around, and you know that, that's one hundred percent a uh, a I'm a music composer spit where he's <laughs> in control, like yeah, um, it is glorious. I love the pink paint, and I love the imagery uh, yeah. of the pink paint on the black outfit. Such a glorious, such a glorious image. Uh, so, so odd, yeah, bizarre. I love Rita's cold read. I think she's excellent. Uh, I think Laura Haring is so great when she's trying to be bad. And she's, um, but why did you come back? And and it's so cold and so dry and uh, perfectly yeah. sets us up for the seductive scene that will follow next. I love director Bob in the seduction or, or whatever we want to call it scene. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, that was good. And, and it's just the, maybe <clears throat> the worst director ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that's on purpose because mm. obviously she has that disdain for him in the in the reality. Yeah. Mm. Jeez. Um, the trumpet reveal, obviously leading to what we see, and uh, then the giggling announcement that you already mentioned. Any very specific moments that really hit home for you? Jim? Um, the. Billy Ray Cyrus cameo. Uh, yes. Excellent Billy. Excellent yeah. Billy Ray. The the cowboy scene. Mm. Uh, um, um a bit where he is on the phone and uh well just Justin Theroux is on the phone as Adam Kesher and is like um he wants me to meet the the cowboy. What, do, do I have to go to a corral? <laughs> and she's like, yes, actually. Yeah. And he's going to disappear. And he's and going also, to look and sound exactly like William Sadler. And also, uh, the, the, um, when he smashes the car. Is that, is that the brother's car? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the brother's car. <laughs> I love a good smashing scene. Anybody smashing anything up, that's just glorious to me. Um, soundtrack corner. Now we've touched on Crying by Rebecca Del Rio. Yeah. And sort of unequivocally commented on it as one of the finer moments <laughs> on a film. Um, what are your other favorite uses of music in this? Um, the one we mentioned earlier, the I've seen every little star. Yeah, I've always loved that. That's yeah. just great. Me too. Um, I really love the music. Uh, when it's dancing between the scenes in the reality, there's mm. by I th is it, I think it's by Badalamenti, but I'm not sure. Yeah, Badalamenti did the score again. Um, that glorious slow droning synth 
that opens the film as we're driving through uh, Mulholland Drive on our way to the, the crash. Um, yeah. Yeah, rough stuff, great stuff. There's the, the Jitterbug soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I really love the OST in this film, actually. Uh, I think for me it'd have to be those two audition songs. I'm a big fifth. I love Gunny Scenes. I love uh, that whole fifties vibe. Uh, so they really work stellarly well. I opened this by talking about how this may have been uh, his best chance at an Oscar. He, however, the film only got one. It is one of only forty movies ever uh, to only be to be nominated for best director and nothing else. Mm -hmm. uh, so the big ones this year were Fellowship of the Ring, although that ultimately didn't win much of anything. It won a lot in the uh, in the categories of what do you call it? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, special effects and all that. Uh, Moulin Rouge was a surprising big hit. Um, a Beautiful Mind and Gosford Park. Emily, I was used to get Emily and Moulin Rouge confused as a kid. <laughs> Well, now you know they're in the same Oscar race. Um, so, unequivocally, I don't think Ron Howard should have won. I think that's just a slam dunk no from me. Um, and always will be. Uh, however, I am a huge fan of Gosford Park. And I think you seriously could make the case that this could have been Robert Altman's chance at an Oscar as well. I would have been very, very, very happy with Lynch winning Best Director and Rodman Gosford Park winning Best Picture. I mean, yeah, I think Lynch should have got director for that. Because I think, like, contextually, I think taking the fact that he made an hour and a half pilot and then completely turned it into <laughs> a fucking amazing film is... I don't know when you want to break this down. So, so we'll, we'll talk about it now whilst we're here. So yeah. it's the original conception is a possible pilot for Audrey. That's the yeah. original conception, is that she leaves Twin Peaks, she survives the uh, bank explosion and <laughs> moves to Hollywood. That's the it. Doesn't become a hairdresser. <laughs> no. Um, and then uh, it changes and adapts, and they shoot about an hour and a half's worth for an hour and a half feature-length pilot, such as they did for Twin Peaks. Mm -hmm. Then, a year later, so, oh, and the lead characters of that were going to be Robert Forster's detective. Yep. So that's why he's in this for 30 seconds, even though he's a huge, well, at this point, he's a huge star. He's coming off a very, very good Oscar, um, I say a very, very good Oscar loss, uh, mm -hmm. a very, very good Oscar nomination that everybody was surprised was going to be a loss with... Um, Jackie Brown, um, yeah. which was which was a pretty big deal uh, at the time. Have you done Jackie Brown? On we haven't done Jackie Brown yet. We did our Tarantino, uh, but we picked, but uh, that was a fortnight, not a month. Uh, so we only got to pick six. And um, I lobbied for Hateful Eight over Jackie Brown because I know that Will hates it and I wanted to prove him wrong. And I kind of brought him over to my way of thinking. Okay. Do you not like Hateful Eight, Jack? We don't have to get onto this right now. <laughs> I mean, I did when I watched it. Well, there you go. Yeah, so there you go. 
Um, but I'm, I, I'd be very, very happy to give Lynch. Acting-wise, um, I mean, what what are we doing? Uh, not giving Naomi a nomination. Yeah, um, they crack. The, uh, the big argument is, of course, that this is a very, very good five. All of these are great. You, well, there's two exciting nominees. I say exciting. You've got Renee for Bridget Jones's Diary, which is a pretty big deal, actually, to get a comedy in there. So anytime there's a comedy, I'll never get rid of it. I think that's really good. And I think it's actually pretty deserving. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicole for Moulin Rouge, well, I, we all know my opinions on Nicole Kidman. I not only think she's one of the most beautiful women of all time, I think she's one of the most great actresses ever and the most one of the most versatile, just look at five films and you'll see that she is so much more uh, than how she's made out to be sometimes. However, uh, Moulin Rouge, again, very exciting nomination, big sing, big sing song. But the point is, is that it's a very good five. However, if Naomi was in there, I think it would have been an interesting race. Yes. I, every time I watch this, I'm impressed by Naomi Watts. Hmm. And actually, I'm going to say that fact, but we're going to talk about a fact very soon. I love the screenplay, but I don't think the screenplay nominations uh, would have happened. What did Randy Newman win for? I see Randy Newman's face. If I didn't have you from Monsters Inc. Great song, Randy. Great song. <laughs> um, for me, as we always say on these, a lack of nominations for editing and cinematography is baffling to me. I, I... Cinematography is stunning as well. Is it it's, Peter Deming? It's uh, Peter Deming, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and okay. um, and it's edited by uh, Mary Sweeney, but um, it, it always baffles me. It's it's just one of those things. I think he's just that little bit too experimental, and mm-hmm. that means one thing: you are shut out of the Oscars. I love L.A. so much. I love the light in L.A. Mulholland Drive is a famous famous uh, road. And there's much, much, much mood. There's so many stories about that road. And um, it's a very kind of dreamy thing to think about. You know, the, the old story, so many people come here to try to realize their dreams. Mulholland Drive was a particular road that I remember when I was down, down, down on my luck and remember thinking, oh, this this day is going too bad, and this is this has been a succession of of really bad days. I could just do a a quick turn and just drive up this cliff. Yeah, we'll see what comes of that in the future. Um, the one sort of categories you do sort of maybe get in are cinematography, because yeah. I think, and also I think that's changed over the years. I think the big Instagram thing of, you know, ten, one beautiful frame or all that sort of stuff, I actually mm-hmm. think has brought more art movies into best cinematography in recent years. Although The Lighthouse is almost unequivocally one of the best looking movies of the past five years, I don't think it would have been nominated oh. which it, as it was um, in a different time. Oh, there we go. You cut out for a second. Oh, I was just talking about The Lighthouse. Uh, oh, The Lighthouse. Great movie. Okay. Uh, 
refresh me. <laughs> I was just saying, I, I think I think that the fact that Lighthouse got nominated for Best Cinematography, even though it didn't win, I think does show a change. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, for so many years, cinematography was just... Yeah. Your be- best epic, basically, was just who can shoot the biggest landscape. Um, right. And obviously that's the exact opposite of what the Lighthouse is. Uh, we move on to uh, best single minutes. Uh, what are your nominations this time around? Um, oh boy. Uh, every minute now. Um, I... I think this is where we can talk about Winkies. Oh, the... sorry, sorry, you just killed me. The, about Why the fact did you forget Winkies? Lee forgot Winkies for so long. When it's the most one of the most iconic scenes ever. Oh my god! It's transcended Lynch. I feel. I think. Yeah, um, yeah it is. It's like one of those that is shown in film classes. And I think it's because it's a jump scare. Yeah. It's always and... in. It's probably in Watch Mojo top ten jump scares of all time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's it's Bobby in, Barrett in the daylight. Yeah. In the daylight. Um. We're both Mad Men people. It's nice to see Bobby Barrett. Yep. Um, and, and he's uh, he's just great. And again, he sells the scene. These scenes are completely ridiculous if they are given any winking at all. Yeah. Um, but they're not. And uh, that means that they work so, so, so effectively. Um, yeah. I, I've always seen that sort of hooded homeless figure as doom, dread, um, all that that entails. Uh, what, what's it, what, what is it to you? Broader uh, question as always. Yeah, that's similar to me. However, like, obviously the second half reveals that um, Winkies is the place where she put the hit job on um, Camilla. Um, and yeah, I think it's part of that thing where it's obviously like reality kind of bleeding in with the dream because yeah, it's where she made the choice to have her lover killed. It's facing death. It's, yeah. It's horrific. Mm. Oh, brilliant. Best line, Jay. Um oh, okay. Let me check. My phone real quick. Here's one. I put, I put a note. When you see the girl in the picture that was shown to you earlier today, you will say, this is the girl. The rest of the cast can stay. That's up to you. But the choice of that lead girl is not up to you. You'll see me one more time. If you do good, you'll see me two more times. If you do bad, good night. And then he's gone. He's gone straight away. Bye-bye. Um, I, I, okay, I, I wrote down and I was like, oh, that's a nice wink. Um, so when they rehe- before they rehearse the scene together, uh, Betty and the the nameless one, Camilla, Rita, uh, yeah, yeah, Rita, um, Betty says to her, "It'll be just like in the movies. We'll pretend to be like someone else." Very reminiscent of the Lost Highway. It's, it's almost like a thesis statement. It's like, I'm going to throw this line in. It's pretty on the nose. Mm-hmm. 
on a second watch, it's definitely on the nose, but it's oh, yeah. um, not too obvious. It's not too winky. It's just it's just perfect, and it fits the tone completely. No, I banda. There is no band. Yes, I. Uh, it brings me back to uh, Gibson telling to drama. <laughs> Uh, as you just said, it'll be just like in the movies. Um, also, did you notice that that's the same guy as the one that owns the hotel that Justin stays in? I didn't notice it, and then I did my research. Really, really good job there by yeah, that guy. I... Never guessed that in a million, in a in a hundred watches. I have never spotted that. I think I, I only noticed it on the second to most recent one. Very odd. Um, this is a great quote, but the name of the character is even better. Um, mm -hmm. Something bit me bad. <laughs> However, their name, according to IMDb, is Heavy Set Woman Killed by Nessing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this isn't really the best line, but I, I noted down um, the, the guy who's obviously friends with the assassin saying, mm -hmm. He's telling a story and he just says, fucking car accident. <laughs> yeah. He does deliver that very well. Um, let's get negative for a moment. I really don't have any, but what's the change? Do you have any changes? Um, for me, there's only one bit that I fluctuate on liking and not liking, and that's mm -hmm. when the neighbour comes to the door and is like, you don't belong here. Someone is here who doesn't belong. Somebody here. else. Somebody's in trouble. Yeah. Uh, yes, I feel it, it. The fact that it doesn't have a payoff in the mm. reality. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can. I can go with that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I never yawn. I, I never yawn when I'm not on a show. It's unbelievable. Uh, the yes, I can. I can agree with you there because it doesn't really have a payoff. However, um, again, it's I think it's another interesting, yeah, look yeah. at your face in the mirror, you're in a dream, you're in a dream. Come on, come on, wake up, wake up. Um, it's a piece of foreshadowing. It is. Um, the break into fake Diane's house, I think, I, I don't know. I know it's all, it's all, it's very well built tension. Mm -hmm. However, after the first time, it sort of feels like tension coming to nothing because this isn't a movie based around this grand plot that, uh, sorry, this great mystery that pays off. It's all dream logic. And so I sort of feel on a rewatch that I'm like, okay, I could lose this. I mean, I, for me, that, that gets more tense on rewatches because mm. they're discovering literally like Betty's dead body which is where the film goes up to and I think it gets more disturbing like on the second time for me personally. I guess it's the fact that it doesn't exactly look like a rotting Naomi yeah. Watts yeah, <laughs> and I understand that from a point of view of giving anything away however the fact that they're not blonde I think they need to be blonde. If if they're blonde, then I can completely agree with you. And it still keep the mystery because obviously, eventually, Camilla slash Rita um, goes blonde, and mm -hmm. um, so we'd still have the mystery of who was that dead body? Is it them or is it them? 
Um, mm -hmm. But I could. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I need to Google <laughs> 10 ways to stop yawning. Um, it's and, all during a show. <laughs> is there anything left in your notes, Jay? Nothing important, really. I mean, <laughs> you know, his. He's, he said the uh, the thing about, uh, we, well, we mentioned it in the last podcast, I think, where like all the important things are in blue and there's the, the red phone. Uh, and I just put like, at the start, there's no answer to the red phone. And then at the end, there is an answer. And it's obviously uh, Diane, who's here. Um, here's, here's some, here's some news. Um, Uh, here we go. Oh, this is what I yes, this is what I want to do. So, for the French release, mm -hmm. the studio demanded Lynch to write some clues or give an explanation. So these are the ten clues from David Lynch. Do you have your own? No, no, I'm my phone. My computer's about to die. Oh no. Uh, so, for, yes, for the audience, Jay knows this. Um, he gave 10 clues because he, they demanded it. The studio demanded it. And so instead of giving an explanation, which he's obviously not going to do, and rightfully no. so, these are the 10 clues. So I thought we would have a look at these. Mm -hmm. Be particularly attentive at the beginning of the film. At least two clues are revealed before the credits. So, yes. a contest. And the falling into the pillow. Falling into the pillow and the old couple. Yes. Yeah. So are the old couple her mother and father in reality? That's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I never have like a solid thing for the, uh, the old couple. And I mean, you could see it as like in, in, the, in the dream, they're the ones that arrived with her. And then in reality, like they kind of haunt her, like she arrived in LA and then these are like the manifestation of like her time in LA in a way is one way I, I'd interpret it. Um, because obviously it starts off with her going, thank you, thank you, thank you with them. And then um, ultimately they, a screaming at her until she kills us all. This is true. Uh, be really attentive when a red lampshade appears on the screen. We talked about this with the phone. It doesn't answer. The phone, does answer. Can you hear the title of the film for which Adam Kesher is casting actresses? The Sylvia No story. Is this title mentioned again? Yes. Later, when she says, we met on the Sylvia No story. Um, a car accident is a terrible thing. I've, I've always liked this clue because he has to specify that a car accident is a terrible thing. Yeah. Pay attention to where the accident takes place. Mulholland Drive. <laughs> but also, is he saying there that pay attention because it's where she then gets picked up later? It's a surprise when they come through the bush together. Yeah, that probably. That's a clue enough, isn't it? Uh, who gives the blue key and why? Um, the assassin. Yeah. Also, can I talk about the assassin for a second? Take it, take it. Okay. 
because I don't know if you view it the same way, but um, you know how incompetent he is in the dream? Mm. Uh, I think that's just part of uh, Betty's kind of wishing that uh, Camilla lives in reality and that the assassin's actually terrible at his job and doesn't kill her. But yeah, does. I, I, that's, yeah, that's great. I love that. Um, yeah. I th- yeah. <laughs> really love. Um, pay attention to the dress, the ashtray, and the coffee cup. So... The, ash, the dress, I don't know, because he doesn't specify. Uh-huh. The ashtray, again, always by the phone and the lamp. Uh-huh. And the coffee cup, I noticed she's drinking the same espresso cup at the engagement party, and then she looks over and Angelo's there. So I uh-huh. guess, it, again, it, it, all of these clues are basically just yeah. pointing at having him point out where the mirrorings are and all that. Yeah. Also, um, this is one thing I've never been sure on, but okay. you might have some idea. Um, how, how do you view the cowboys appearing in real life in the in the second half? When he goes, time to wake up. Yeah, when he's like, wake up, little girl. And then also when he's at the party and you see him like in the background for a second. Yeah. I, I... If anything, I've always seen that as that he's not real. And that's the one thing in reality that isn't real. That's the only, we could only be talking about Malone Drive and for the sentence, this sentence makes sense. When he's in reality, he's the only one that's not real. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's yeah. why I've always seen it, that he's- In the lad. <laughs> in the lad, in the white lad, brings back some memories. Um, the, I, I've always seen it as he's the ultimate harbinger of doom. Yeah. That's what that is. But again, I don't know. And so, I, I, as much as I say this is the one that makes sense of all the experimental ones, some things do still uh, mm-hmm. evade direct. Which is always good. It's good to have room to dream. At the Club Silencio, something is felt. The viewer realizes something. The clues come together, but what is it? It's all a dream. Yeah, it, everything's fake. That's yeah, everything. All these fake things that are making you feel something so deeply and so emotionally are are a lie that you've made. It's all an illusion. No, I bend that. Did Camilla only become famous thanks to her talent? Presumably not. Uh, presumably, it's her sexual relationship with Adam. Yeah. Um, I think that's what that's to interpretation. And I think it's nice how, well, not nice, how obviously Betty in the dream is like views herself as this amazing actor who should have gotten a job on that uh, on that film that they're casting for. And then obviously in real life, she's just an extra who works. In, you know, you know. It's well, that's the great heart of the story, isn't it? She she can't accept two things that the woman the woman she loves deeply doesn't love her back mm-hmm. and so she has a killed so as you talk about she can't accept that the hitman will be good at the job and will brutally kill her and she can't accept that their marriage that their relationship is happy but mainly she can't accept that she's a, that she's possibly a bad actress and that she yeah. can't accept that she she says it in the party i really wanted that part 
She can't yeah. accept that she didn't get the part because she was maybe worse than Camilla. And oh. so she has to come up with Michael J. Anderson in a moving wheelchair, speaking into a microphone, and then somebody calling yeah. somebody over there, and then somebody picking up that phone. It has to be this big, Some grand thing. Mysterious mob that controls Hollywood. Hmm. Yeah. Pay attention to the man behind Winkies. Uh, I mean, he's there He's there in the Winky scene, and then he's there later. <laughs> Pay attention to him. Pay attention. He is there. He, Where is Aunt a... Ruth? Wait, in, in which part? Well, this is, it just says, what, that's the end of the, oh, and that's the end of the clues, by the way, guys. Where is Aunt Ruth? That's it. I mean, where is she? <laughs> I don't know. Um, she's Adam's aunt, I think. In, Presumably. In, in reality. And then uh, she owns the, the place she's, uh, thingy stays. Mm. In the dream. It's Coco's mother. Uh, sorry, Coco's Adam's mother in real life, which is an interesting chat. Although, I think a nice thing uh, is that obviously she's kind of, she's pretty nice in the dream, and then she's also relatively nice to Betty in reality. Mm. So she's tapping her hand. Well, I think that's she, a bit of the reverse, the bit of the reverse stuff, is that she's the only person in this entire situation that's ever been really nice to her. Yes. And so she's really, really, really nice in the dream. Yeah. Uh, one of those things. That's about it from me. Love this um, it's a great film. A few fun facts. Here we go. Adam Kesher smashing the producer's car windshield in with a golf club is a reference to the famous 1994 incident where Jack Nicholson committed the same act. <laughs> okay. I told you, Nicole Kidman would be back. Naomi Watts actually lost her health insurance and faced eviction from her apartment shortly after filming Rat. She was ready to quit acting and leave Los Angeles, but her close friend, Nicole Kidman, talked her into staying until after the film was released. You managed to fit Nicole Kidman in. We, she saved Naomi Watts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the set of reels that was distributed to the movie theatres included a computer-written, photocopied note from David Lynch himself, giving special instructions to the projectionists worldwide. Specifically, yeah. he did not want the film to be centred vertically on the screen, but rather to allow more overhead. That is, to let the top part of the frame be more visible than the bottom part. It was because the film was originally made for TV, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. The note ended with the words, your friends, your friends, David Lynch. Sweetheart. <laughs> On the way to the audition for her part as Camilla Rhodes, Laura Harring was in a minor car accident. That's trippy. Most terrible, <laughs> bizarre, horrible things. Um, John, sorry? Oh, no. <laughs> so, talking about the chapter selections, Robert Zemeckis also used this idea on his Laserdisc release of Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. One of the most episodic chapter-based movies of all time. Robert Zemeckis yeah. didn't want to have chapter selection on. Okay. I'm trying to remember if my, mine had chapter selection when I was younger, and I swear it did. Mm. Well, no, it, the chapter selection it has, not on Forrest Gump, is the picture of the, of the room, and then oh. it's a vase and a mirror. Yeah. No, I was talking about Forrest Gump. 
But yeah, I do have that version as well for Mulholland. Uh, the actor who played the cowboy couldn't remember his lines. So Justin Threw had to hold up boards for him to read off camera. That's funny. Uh, tagline rundown. Beware what you dream for. Nice. Yeah, fits. A love story in the city of dreams. Yeah, I like that one. Fits, yeah. An actress longing to be a star. A woman searching for herself. Both worlds will collide on the Holland Drive. Ooh. Uh, a woman in search of stardom, a woman in search of herself in the city of dreams, a key to a mystery by somewhere on Mulholland Drive. That's the twilight zone of the... Um... It feels so twilight. Yeah, I was about to say that. And I'm, lesbian I'm, lover can accept. In, in, in Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive. Somewhere between time and infinity. Somewhere between space and time. Tom's big question. Um, do you go in for the whole Laura and Teresa Palmer? Uh, uh, sorry, Laura Palmer and Teresa. What's the name of the other girl in Twin Peaks that survived? What, Rana Pulaski? Yeah, <laughs> not Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you go in for the theory that it's that's the um, blonde oh. and the brunette in the Silencio Theatre? Uh, yeah, I mean, I always thought that. Mm. They looked like that. They you do know, look very, very, very similar. Bridge between reality and the dream, like mm. the White Lodge or Black Lodge. Um, what else have I got? Uh, does the other guy see the homeless man at Winkies? Because he just drops and he goes, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. I don't know. That's a good question. Mm. And uh, the, the old couple, uh, we talked about I guess I don't know what else could be done and um, what was the pilot like what did the pilot look like uh, so I've, I've skimmed through it on YouTube because you can find it um, alright okay wait what talk about something else for a second and I'm going to find it okay well I was just always wondering what what they added what was the twi- uh, what sorry what was the pilot um okay. So the pilot finishes um, with them looking at, looking in the mirror at her in a wig. So, oh my God, your background. So I just okay. So that's where it ends, and then he. So then, the refilmed stuff. The yeah. eight million was Silencio and reincorporating everything. Yes. Okay. I could get into that. Uh, right. Okay. Well, this is the ultimate Tom's big question, isn't it? What would you rather have? There's no guarantee on quality, but Lynch directs and writes every episode. Would you rather have the Mulholland Drive film that we have today? Mm hmm. Or seven episodes. I'd say the Mahan drive we have today, which is probably the only time I'd say that I want less Lynch. But... Mm. It just feels so complete and constant yeah. and, and and tidy. Uh, mm. Whereas, as we'll find in Inland Empire, although there is lots and lots and lots of good in it, a bit messy, 
and a bit, you know, a bit woe, bit way, and very what? experimental. <laughs> Uh, and that's it for Tom's question. I'm going to no, no, actually, I'm going to leave my spooky background. Um, hello, David. Hello. Um, hello. Who's this man in front of me? Um, Jay, this is your favorite film of all time. Yes. Any final thoughts on your favorite film ever? Final? I don't know. I could have infinite thoughts. Uh, I find something new with it every time I watch it, which is nice. Uh, there's always a new link, a new thing to be found, a new place to dream, <laughs> as as Lynch would say. Um, I think it's just a fantastic film, uh, and I think I think actually no, I'll, we we can talk about that off podcast actually. <laughs> oh, very nice, yeah. very exciting. Um, Jay, next episode, we will conclude this little run of 10 episodes. How very sad. Um, but uh, we'll get there when we get there. Because not only are we going to talk about Inland Empire, we're also going to rank, excluding Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. And The Return. Uh, and The Return and, and all TV. We're going to rank the 10 films or nine films, I can't remember, that we've talked about today. Yeah. I will see you then. No, I banda! Da ba da ba da ba da ba 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 